0: Please turn in your Bibles to this morning's Scripture, Psalms chapter 24, verses 1 through 10. If you would like to follow along using a pew Bible, you can find the passage on page 458. If you are able, please stand for the reading of God's Word. The King of Glory. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell therein. For he has founded it upon the seas and established it upon the rivers. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in his holy place? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord. And the righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of God of Jacob, Selah. Lift up your heads, O gates, and be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is this King of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the King of glory. Salah. Psalm 24 with verse one through 10. This is the word of the holy and errant word of the Lord. Please be seated.
1: Let's pray. Father, thank you. Thank you that you love us. Thank you for a wonderful start to this morning. That we are here to praise you, to rejoice in you. Thank you for the children that have already had a chance to stir our hearts. Thank you for the talents and gifts that you've given them. Thank you for the word that has been read. Thank you for all the things that we brought into this room that you can meet the needs that we have, the concerns we have, the fears that we have. Let them set them, Let us set them aside. And trust you with them, and focus on your word. We ask this in Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Guys, it is great to be with you this morning. I I really, um, there's so much to say about that passage that we just looked at in Psalm 24. I, I, um, I'm going to try to walk through it as quickly as possible. Years ago, Doctor DeWitt. Uh, Richard DeWitt said to me that we have to be careful sometimes that we read the word and we just read through it and we don't stop and think about it. And so in that context, he continued to talk and he said, we have a tendency to read the word and it gives us breath. But if we don't stop to think about it, we won't develop, in a sense, depth. And that is true. We've all heard these words before. We've had a chance to sing them before. We've visited on them before. But we want to stop and meditate on them. It's a wonderful psalm. Uh, It's not a psalm I would have picked. It was in the list. And they asked me to uh, be here with you this morning. So I thank you. Several people in the congregation, uh, I think you were showing me pity. And I appreciate it. Many of you came forward and said, I have a book on psalms if you'd like to read it. And so I, I I thank you for it. I uh, several people gave me articles. Several people gave me a book to read, and they were all uh, very, very helpful. So I want us to look at this um, initially as a, um, as what I think it was written for. In in 2 Samuel 6, there's a story about the ark coming into Jerusalem, and many people think, and I can't say with any assurance, but many people think this Psalm 24 was written on that occasion, okay, as the ark was coming in uh, to the city. And that's the story that you know in 2 Samuel 6, where David uh, unashamedly, dances and praises before the ark as it comes in and he's criticized for that openness and for that intimacy and yet it's it's really an anthem as you look at it okay and so as and i think it really fits whether it was written for that or not the earth is the lord's and all that it contains think about the greatness of god in that spot the Earth is the lord 's and all that it contains the world and all of those who dwell in it. Now I want to you know this might be unusual for us. we do responsive reading, but when you read this i 'll tell you the thing that it reminded me of y 'all may have watched uh, uh, Joel Olstein before his dad was a pastor that started that church, John Olstein, and John Olstein started a phrase a uh, uh, sort of a a declaration that he would do at the beginning of all of his services. And and we could get into the weeds about talking about Olsteen and his ministry and his perspective. But he's someone that's been used by God in a mighty way. But in this context, he holds up the Bible. Have you seen him do that before? He holds up the Bible and he says this. This is my Bible. I am what it says I am. And thousands of people are repeating it as he says it. I am what it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. Today, I will be taught the word of God. I will never be the same. Never, never, never. And as he does that, you sit there and you listen and you go, do I see the word that way? Do I see an opportunity to spend time in his word and chew on it? I will never be the same. Never, never, never. I will never be the same. And then he says, in Jesus' name, amen. And I think it's like that a little bit when we read Psalm 24. I want you to go, the earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. Some of your Bibles may say, in all of its fullness, but, but with enthusiasm, just to continue with the wonderful attitude of the singers up here this morning. I will say to you, the earth is the Lord's, and you will respond back to me with enthusiasm. <laughs> okay, that's hard for you, I know. Um, we, we sometimes have boundaries that make that hard for us, okay? But we're going to say it over and over until it reflects the greatness of God, Okay? The earth is the Lord's. I'll give you one more chance. Okay? Now, I had a wonderful opportunity to go back in the back and to pray with uh, the, the choir before they came out. Their desire to be used by God to help prepare your hearts. And I got to listen uh, as they talked to the students. And they were talking to them about getting to sing. And there is some r- real... A sense of that we really are the fathers and as we give ourselves to him it's an act of worship and so if you think about the, the, uh, the ark coming in to the city and David saying the earth is the Lord's and all it contains we're going to do that again the earth is the Lord and, and all it is- that's true. His greatness. We could talk and talk and talk about it. But then we would not be picking up the children at the right time. <laughs> We'd be scolded again. The earth is the Lord's and all that it contains. I guess some people, I hear people use the phrase, and I've read the phrase, that by right of creation... This is true. God created the earth and all that it contains. God created the fullness, everything that has ever been brought up from the earth, everything that has ever been taken out, uh, the the precious gems and stones that you that you wear. That's the Lord's. Things that we haven't found yet in the bottoms of the ocean, all of the resources. It's all His. By right of creation. There's a greatness to it. Some dear friends over here, it reminds me, we had a chance several, I think it was several summers ago, uh, they invited us to come stay with them at the beach. Something had happened and, and they had some extra room at the beach and they were staying right on the, on the beach. That doesn't, that we haven't had a chance to do that much in our vacations. And so when they invited us to come, it was a wonderful time. And they allowed uh, for my son and and our precious Hannah to come with us. And so she was asleep as we got to, to Fripp Island. But the next morning when she woke up, we stepped out onto the deck. And when we stepped out onto the deck, the ocean was from here to those doors. And so she looked at it. And you've experienced this. She took off running down the little boardwalk to the ocean. And you could see the sand and the shell. She's still in her pajamas. And and so turtles had come up. It was just an unbelievable thing. And she hadn't seen the deer yet that walk around on Fripp Island that she called reindeer. But she came back up on the deck. I'll never forget it. And she said, Pops, all of this is ours. And I went, for four days? That's true, honey? (laughs) But really, when God says that, it's true. What she said was right. God created all that and gave it to us for our enjoyment. She was so accurate in that respect. So when we read this, I would like to stay on this for a long, long time. Most of my conversations are with people where it's, it's my rights, my rights, my rights, my, all that. And I'll go, gosh, you know. Uh, we only have rights by God's allowance. You know you know remember in in Matthew and in the Gospels when Jesus is being tempted, and remember uh, Satan tempts Jesus, and as he tempts Jesus in one setting, he says, "I'll give you all the kingdoms." I think at that point Jesus could have turned to him and said, "You can't give me those, you don't own those, but in a sense, Satan is the little God of this world, but anything that he does is only by God's allowance, because God Owns it all. The earth is the Lord's. And all that it contains. The world. And all those who dwell in. For he has founded it upon the seas. And established it upon the rivers. Imagine he, was, uh, imagine he was making reference back to Genesis 1 that on the third day God created the firmament crea- and, and he placed it, it within the water. I don't, I don't know how you would know that except by the, by the Holy Spirit and the remembering upon Genesis 1. You'd sort of think it was the other way around. But he knew God's greatness. The earth is the Lord's, Yahweh's, and all that it gains. The covenant making, covenant keeping, relational God. The God that brings us near. He says, this is all mine. Then if we move on down, it goes to a question in verse 3. Who may ascend? And I'm I'm just going to call this God's gathering. Who may ascend into the hill of the Lord? And who may stand in His holy place? Years ago, um, some of you know the story. I was in seminary. It didn't look like seminary was a f- uh, fit for me, although I felt like God had called me there. It just uh, I wasn't mature enough. Uh, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. Uh, I owned I owned one book. I owned the Bible when I got to seminary. I felt my library was a little incomplete as I spent time with other seminarians. And I had a couple of conversations with some people. And right away they said, you're in the wrong seminary. You're an Arminian. And I, I said, I, the way you said that, I should be irritated. But I'm not sure what that means. I'll go look it up. I'll get back with you. <laughs> and so, but in that context, okay... Um, I had an opportunity, I got invited to come down to Spanish River Church in South Florida uh, to finish uh, a degree there to work under the mentorship of Dave Nicholas and Larry Crabb and some godly men, Dan Allender and Reggie Kidd, r- wonderful men of God. And so as I was there, we, they sent us down to visit with Jim Kennedy because he'd done EE at that time and, and it had been incorporated. It was being purchased as an evangelism program. Um, 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 training uh, class and, and you learn how to share the gospel and it starts with two questions Okay, and it's been used all over the world and so it starts with two questions and you know them and it says uh, uh, have you come to a place in your life where you know if you died you would go to heaven it's a great question the second question is this if you were to stand before God and he were to ask you, "Why should I let you into heaven?" what would you say? Now, in that setting you get a lot of different answers, but that's exactly what is happening here. In two questions, Okay, uh, really sort of in the, in the poetry of Hebrew, uh, two questions exactly. It's sort of saying the same thing. Who may ascend to the hill of the Lord and who may stand in his holy place? Who has a right to be gathered with the Father? A right that he gives us and provided for us. And then he gives us an answer and you, you see the answer. And as you look at the answer, you're going, ugh. It it, it makes me squirm a little bit when you read the answer, does it not you? I'm going, oh. Now I go, we know the rest of the story, but coming from David's perspective in the Old Testament, under the Old Covenant, the answer had a moral foundation. And as you looked at this, it has three parts. He who has clean hands and a pure heart. He has not lifted up his soul to falsehood or to idols and has not sworn deceitfully. He shall receive a blessing from the Lord and righteousness from God of his salvation. And so he's talking about what? A, a sort of a comprehensive holiness that involves not just the, the, the external, our hands, our actions, but the internal, our intentions and our motives. And then it goes on and says what? It's, it's sort of a loyalty, I think, at this point. Uh, a, an unblemished attitude towards God. And not a foolishness of giving our heart to idols. And then it just is, makes you uncomfortable. So, because right away, I'm going, gosh, I don't, I, don't, I don't have a chance. Don't you? I mean, um, I don't have a... I know, I know you're not supposed to say this, but it, many of us do. I don't, it's a terrible thing, biblically incorrect, but we say, I, I, don't, have a, I don't have a prayer. <laughs> have you ever felt that way about anything? <laughs> you know, uh, when they asked me to stand up and talk about the word with you and finish in 25 minutes, I don't have a prayer. <laughs> and so, but in this setting, for us, who has a right to stand before the Father, to sit with the Father, to be near to the Father? Hmm. Then we realize, of course, if we, if we move forward and connect his Old Testament perspective to the New Testament, then we see that Jesus fulfills all of these for us. We see, we see clearly, okay, that Jesus had clean and pure hands. Jesus had a pure heart. Jesus had never lifted his soul up to falsehoods or to idols and had never sworn deceitfully because everything, remember that in Matthew, that everything that comes out of your mouth is connected to your heart. And in Jesus' case, it all was pure. Me? Hmm you you know thankfully I worked for a guy named Dave Nicholas and he, he worked on his own uh, presentation of the gospel and he'd always say he'd, he'd talk to people and he'd say if, if, if God had a record of all of your wrongs and this was it every time that you didn't have good actions moral actions Every time that you didn't have good intentions and motives and a pure heart. All written here. Now, again, you know, some of us spend time together, and so you'd have to go to another volume. (laughs) Everything written here. It would be too much to bear, wouldn't it? But God in his greatness, as Yahweh, a covenant-making God with his people, has provided a way for us to enter into gathering with him. And we've heard it over and over again. But if you've gotten tired of hearing it, you need to ask God for more depth, not not just breath. If it doesn't stir your heart to praise humility we just have lost sight of how large our book really was Nicholas used to always say he'd say "Uh, this is our book Christ took it from us and was forsook so that we would never be forsaken. It's true. The gathering. There's a worship pastor in Charlotte that has shared his testimony, he and his wife, and they shared it with the people. And so uh, some people talked to me about it. I, I, I was so moved by it. I, just, I wanted to meet this couple. and so I spent a little bit of time with them, and they, they talked about how they knew the things of God, but they were living totally separate from God. And this young man, his father was a pastor, and as he got towards the end of his life, he was, uh, he was weak and barely could speak, and some of the disease had taken away his, opportunity, his ability to, to communicate. And so he was writing things on paths and sharing it with his loved ones as God was preparing to bring him home. This young lady that was living with his son at the time, uh, she went to see him. And he wrote, uh, Jesus loves you. And she, said she just started to pour her heart out to this pastor that happened to be the father of the young man she was living with. And she said, God can't love me. And she said, you don't know what I've done? I don't know what that conversation must have been like, but as I listened to her share it, she wept. And she said, I just began to tell him everything I'd done. And he kept writing on the pad, it just doesn't matter. And he'd turn it towards her. And she'd say, but I did this. And he'd go. And she said, he poked that. Message. It just doesn't so matter so many times that it put a hole in the bed and she finally got it. She embraced it. Her boyfriend embraced it. They became husband and wife. They lead worship at a thriving church in Charlotte. That's what this is saying. There is a moral Foundation to God's expectations of us. But we cannot accomplish it apart from him. And we will never be able to stand in the presence of the Father on our own. And so in the Old Testament, sacrifices, tons and tons of sacrifices were used. Burnt offerings, grain offerings, peace offerings, purification offerings, offerings over and over, tons of offerings. But in the New Testament, there was one offering made once and for all which is Jesus. And in that setting, we receive a blessing. But not just a blessing, but righteousness. So that when God looks at us, He sees purity. He sees cleanliness. He sees a lack of of. of Maybe an abundance of foolishness. But he sees faithfulness. God's gathering. As you keep on walking through, there's, I think, I want to go to our generation. This is the generation of those who seek him, who seek his face. Even Jacob. Selah. Well, don't we need to take a pause there? You know, I, I think that word means pause. It may, it may be maybe a musical term. I'd have to ask Amy to to give me more understanding on that. But it's a it's a pause. Uh, some people say that word even comes from a root where you lift up and sort of contemplate for a moment. It's almost like it's it's too good to be true that God's greatness desires to gather us in his presence and spend time with him. But then this word generation. Now, uh, there seems to be some dispute about what that word exactly means, but I think we can say it's a meaning uh, of a word that sort of says it's a company of people with the same or common characteristic. And so it would be us. It would be a gathering of, of those of us that have what? Jesus. Those of us that have been blessed by the Father. And in that being blessed, there's a righteousness given to us. Several weeks ago, I, 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 I'm not great with time. That, that's already clear. Uh, not just minutes, but Days. Weeks, I lose sight of things, but but uh, several weeks ago we we had a chance to, to make notice of and celebrate uh, 39 years. Is that the 39th anniversary? Was that? Wasn't that how long ago was that? Help me, I, you can tell me. Okay, it was wonderful. But but you stop for a minute, you go, gosh, for I don't know what all you thought about about. A gathering of God's people, and thinking that this church has been at this for 39 years. And in that, what have they done? Have they had a chance to seek the Father? Not just seeking, but pursue eye contact with Him. Not just be around Him, but want to see His face, to see His smile. That's what this is about. To behold His beauty. We've had a chance on Wednesday nights to be walking through some, some of the Psalms together. And I'm, I'm thrilled uh, to be with you. But remember, we did Psalm 27 this past Wednesday night. And that's the passage where it says, One thing I ask in Psalm 27. Y'all know the answer. But one thing I ask is to what? Dwell in the house of the Lord. Behold His beauty. Meditate on His word. Verse 4, verse 8. When you said to me, seek thy face, my heart said, thy face I seek. What a great thing. I, I'm, in a, I'm in a sport where everybody's clamoring to get an autograph all the time. It, it always makes me laugh uh, because the guys are in a hurry. And, and I don't know what they do with those autographs. So they go back with them to their friends and go, I'm, I'm friends with this guy. I don't know what they do with them. I met this guy. But but we're they're there to race. They're not, you know, and, and, and many of them are kind, don't get me wrong. And they understand that they get to do what they do because fans uh enjoy them. But they don't they're 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 working. Okay, and so in the in, so they'll walk by and, and one of the guys that's sought after the most for an autograph, he's walking as fast as he can go. And people handing him things, he's signing it. He's just signing it. He, he, doesn't, he doesn't make eye contact at all. He's just walking as fast as he can go. I saw a person one time going backwards, trying to get on the side of something, and they backed into a trash can and fell down. <laughs> and so he. I, I don't think he saw it. I think if he'd seen it, he would have stopped, but he just kept going. And so I, I helped this person up, and they had a little... Uh, car that they wanted uh, this guy to sign and I said stay right here so I, I ran him down and I said hey uh, someone risked personal injury to get this signed and you, you need to sign this for them and he of course signed it but again when one of these people and then you know uh, lots of entertainers come and people are the same way about them but, but when the person actually makes eye contact with you and then they'd say, "Sure, you can. I'll take a selfie with you." There's, there's some sort of uh, intimacy in that, isn't there? Certainly beyond backing into a trash can. <laughs> so for us, what he's saying here is, don't don't just gather. Gather with people that desire to seek Him. Gather with people that want to see his face. Gather with people that are part of a fellowship that does that, wants that. Then we have to ask ourselves, am I? Am I that person Thou seeking, thou pursuing. Many of you people, long before we began to worship here, long before uh, we were uh, a part of this particular fellowship, many of your people in this church over the last 39 years have have found ways to encourage me and, and my family. And I took encouragement out of hearing that this was a place that stood for the word, that desired to be pleasing to the Father. And he has blessed your desire to reflect his righteousness. Certainly in moral choices, but, but, but apart from that, beyond that. Knowing that your righteousness has been paid for once and for all. The sacrifice has been made once and for all. And we just walk in that reality. It's a wonderful thing. But I have to stop and go, do I sometimes, I don't know, get sloppy about seeking him? Do I sometimes get uh, casual or careless in praising him for the righteousness that he's given? I sometimes take it for granted because I've been doing this for a long time I went through names of people I won't share them up here because you always leave somebody out but I was, as I was that, I went through people from this church over the last 39 years that have, had had an impact in my life it's a, it's, it was a it, the list got longer and longer and those that are doing it now for each other so I guess we would say to ourselves hey wouldn't wouldn't we like to be a part of the the next 39 years 39 months, weeks days, hours whatever God chooses but be people that have gathered together and then then we stop and pause maybe it would be a good exercise today to write down the people that have had an impact in your life thank God for them get right with them if you're not Because we all have had the, the book taken so that we won't be forsaken ever again. And so in that, we keep moving down. And again, I'm just trying to share this in a way that you'll think about it in a fresh way. I, I know that we stop and spend all morning on just his greatness. I know that there's wonderful things just in the answer to that question, who can gather with the Father? And, and I, I know the weeds that are there. Uh, I'm, I'm with friends. I, I actually, over a period of time, learned the difference between those that were uh, in the Armenian camp and those that were not. And at some point you want to stop and go, listen, we can discuss the weeds later. Do you know Jesus? Do you know his sacrifice for you? I'm not saying that all those things to discuss aren't important. I think they do create depth. Then I've got to look at our gates. Lift up your heads, O gates. Be lifted up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. Who is the King of glory? The Lord strong and mighty. The Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O gates, and lift them up, O ancient doors, that the King of glory may come in. And you know, as you look at that, and sometimes i i forget god in his choosing of us I, I i forget to be appreciative sometimes i i forget that how amazing it is that the king of glory wants to live in us i, I then i go back to the gate i you know i didn't watch a lot of it some of you did and I'm, I'm thankful that you did uh because you've told me all about it but but uh queen elizabeth's death and and all of the all of the magnitude of death and the and the celebration and the and the beauty of the pageantry but it was interesting that i'm studying this passage and it and it and it pulls you back into a time where there were different values and different priorities and different experiences just like as we looked at her 70 years of rain. You've seen it and, and I'm thankful that Franklin Graham, Graham is just sending something out that they're going to do uh, sort of a show, a documentary on Billy Graham's relationship with her. And, and we ought to all watch that and pray that it be used by God. But... It was interesting on national television to watch the things of Christ be, be spoken so boldly from across the sea. And, and, and it made me wonder, um, gosh... What what happens here that we're so afraid to be that bold? Then they ask one of her best friends, uh, married to her son. So they ask her, "What do you think she'd like to be remembered for?" And the young girl was woman was almost offended on television during the interview. She said, "Well, her faith, of course." What a what a wonderful response! I mean, she could have said her jewelry, of course. That's what I'm thinking. (laughs) The fact that she spent a lifetime, she grew up as, as a queen. Her faith, of course. But it paints the picture, doesn't it? This paints the picture. You can't help but think about what it means to draw near to God. You can't help but think about that David, as he, would, as he would win battles, would come back in and he would have to ask for them to lower the gate for him to come into the city. And it would always be the same thing. There would be a knock on the door and the person would say, who is there? And can you imagine what it was like going, <laughs> the king? Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> and You put it down right away. But you watch this, you know, all the people talking about who would be with our funeral and not be at our funeral. And then you realize there's so many, there's just so many seats in that cathedral. And then, you know, all the conversations about where everybody was sitting, how far back they were on what row, all that kind of stuff. And I go, gosh, dog, we need a little Jesus here in our reactions to this. But for us you can't help but think about Revelation 3.20 that the Lord what? Stands at our door and does what? Knocks. He stands at the gate of our hearts and knocks. It's amazing, isn't it? Think about it. The greatness of God and he comes to our heart and knocks. I You know, I'm thinking, kick the door down. But he gives us an opportunity to respond to what he's already caused to be stirring in our hearts. Because we were dead. He made us alive. He has conquered the enemy in our heart. Forever. He knocks. We open the door, it says in Revelation 3. And we have a king inside of us. Not just on the outside, but in us. James 4 says, if we draw near to God, he will draw near to us. And then ironically it says, cleanses our hands, purifies our hearts. Don't be double-minded, but humble ourselves. In his presence. There's a song. of. I, um, I was, I was going to play it for you. But I, I, I know I, I pushed the envelope here already. I'd like to be able to sing it. But I don't, I don't have those gifts. Speak to the Mountains by Chris McClarty. Why would I worry when giants come calling my name? My God is so much bigger than the troubles I face. Why would I hunger for power or riches or fame? Because my God is so much better than all of these things. My enemies scatter because they know the battle is done. My God is stronger. The victory has already been won. Yeah, he died for my ransom and rose up on the third day because my God is greater than death, hell, and the grave. There's no mountain too high, no valley too low. There's no fear that I have that he doesn't already know. There's no problem too big. There's no weapon too strong. There's nothing for God that's impossible. I won't be shaken. I won't be moved. My God is faithful. Oh, he's so faithful. His promises are true. So I speak to the mountains. It's time to move. And this is it. Because my God is bigger. And better and stronger and greater than you. Wouldn't that be a great thing to carry around with us? Or whichever Him lets you remember these truths. Our God is better, stronger, and greater than all of our worries, all of the giants. And in that greatness, He has called us to gather. In that gathering, He has called us to be a generation that seeks Him, pursues Him. And maybe we need to open the gate again And in the opening of the gate, we experience God's glory. Verse 10. Who is this king of glory? He is the Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory. It brings to your mind that passage in 1 Kings 22 verse 19 that says, I saw the Lord sitting on his throne. The, all the host of heaven standing on the right and the left what a great glorious picture as we go through our day that's what we need to see we need to speak to the mountains and say to them my God is really bigger Better, greater. Think about these things today. Add to all the things that we left out. Talk about it with your families. Talk about it in your small groups. Talk about it with your friends. Talk about it with your Father in heaven. Let's pray. Well, I do thank you for your word. I thank you for this family. I thank you that we have gathered together to worship you. And in that worshiping, Father, is our desire to unashamedly, as David marched into the city with the ark, to unashamedly, boldly come into your presence. Unashamedly talk about your love because we're experiencing it. Father, let us be reminded of your greatness. Let us be a generation of people that seek you. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for drawing us near to you. Continue to bless us. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.